Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Now, I'm guessing most accountants aren't like salespeople. If we're doing our own selling, our own sales effort and talking to our clients here, there are some tricks that we can use. But one thing I would be doing is creating these value tables on my own. I would be creating them uh, without sitting in front of a customer and doing the absolute best I can to say, what are the problems that we're solving for our customers? What are the results that those customers would expect or are getting? And then we might even work through what's the value using some business acumen. And then now what I've got is I've got this big table of things that might be true. Welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Many CPAs struggle with pricing. Some have moved to flat rate or subscription pricing, but some still bill by the hour. One thing they struggle to understand is the full depth of the value they offer to their clients. And because they don't fully understand value, they could be leaving Everest-sized mountains of money on the table, which means they have to work a lot harder to compensate for the missed opportunity. Here today to talk with me about this problem is my guest, Mark Stiving. Mark is a pricing educator and advisor. He's the host of the Impact Pricing podcast and is the owner of Impact Pricing, where he teaches clients how to win, keep, and grow customers to drive higher revenue. Mark Stiving, welcome back to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you, Geraldine. It is great to be back. I'm looking forward to our conversation today and to set it up. The reason that I asked you to come back on the podcast is that I'm finding one thing clients and listeners are having a hard time getting their head around is assigning a price to squishy stuff. And by squishy stuff, I mean things like peace of mind, knowing that I'm running my business right, I'm not screwing up somewhere that I'm not aware of, not leaving obvious piles of money on the table, reducing the stress of knowing that payroll is covered, clarity, better decisions, knowing that things are being handled, stuff like quick response times, availability access, and all the rest. So even though people understand that all this stuff is really valuable, it isn't widely understood how to capture it in the prices. And I heard you mention value metrics when you were talking um, to Ron Baker and Ed Kless on TSOE, the soul of enterprise, sorry for listeners. And I wanted to see if we could connect up some dots here so that listeners could have a better sense for how to price the squishy stuff. So with that, the longest intro in the world, can you help us get started with squishy stuff and value metrics? So first off, I want to start by saying 
I think every company in the world has the problem that they don't understand how their customers perceive their value. If you're an accountant and you're worried about that, you're like everybody else, every other company in the world. And it shocks me that this is a true statement because understanding how our customers perceive our value is not only how we set our prices or how we should be setting our prices, it also should be how we communicate through our marketing messages or our sales efforts. And by the way, it also should be how we choose what products to build or services to offer. Understanding customer perceived value to me feels like the single most important thing a company can do. And yet I don't think any companies do this. So let's go. Okay. <laughs> I love it. So let's talk about perceived value because fundamentally, I, I think to take that one step further, that a lot of us work under the impression that people are buying our services and our deliverables. But what you're saying is people are buying perceived value. Yes. One of my favorite sayings when I'm teaching a marketing class is nobody cares about your product. <laughs> and this happens to be a true statement. Nobody cares about your product. If you're an accountant and you're going to sell an hour of time, nobody cares. Yeah. And absolutely nobody. You know what they care about? They care about what problem they have that you're going to solve for them. They care about what result they might get after they buy and use your product or your service. And if we're good at business, we can take understanding what result they're hoping or expecting to get, use our business acumen and say, this is how much they would value that. This is the dollar value of what we're delivering to them. Uh, and so to me, when I think about value, I teach a concept I call the value table. And a value table has four columns in it. The four columns are problem, solution, result, and value. That's in um, chronological order. If I were to put it in a different order that makes it easier to think about, I would put solution first, then problem, then result, then value. The solution is your product. The solution is a feature that you have in your product. Um, so if you're an accountant, you decide that I'm going to go offer this one service, this one capability, that's a product. And just for kicks, Geraldine, give me, give me a feature that an accountant would offer. Mm, monthly bookkeeping. Monthly bookkeeping. Perfect. So I've got this feature called monthly bookkeeping. What problem does that solve? The only reason somebody cares is they've got a problem. So what problem from the customer would that solve? I'm going to let you answer that, Geraldine, and then I'll, I'll correct you if I'm, if I'm not happy with the answer, <laughs> if that's okay. Well, I mean, the interesting thing is I think the industry has two bosses, right? And you're working for the IRS and you're working for the customer. But from the customer standpoint, they want to know that all the money that was supposed to come in the door came in the door. And they want to know that they got paid by their vendors. Okay. First thing I want to point out is this is hard. Right, no, Trying to understand problems from your customer's perspective is not trivial. I hire a bookkeeper. Right, I have a bookkeeper that runs my business for me. Do you know why I hire a bookkeeper? Because I don't want to keep track of all of the paperwork. Right, It saves me a gobsmack amount of time. And there's just details that I don't have to pay attention to. So I got this problem. I have all this, this information and paperwork and stuff coming through. I have zero desire to take care of it. My, my time is more valuable spent somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So that's my problem. Yep. You know how I solve that problem? How? I hire a bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now what's the result 
that I would expect because I hire a bookkeeper. Now, when I'm doing a value table, what I like to do is I like to make it quantifiable if possible. Mm -hmm. But um, the quantifiable result could be something like um, you save 10 hours a month not messing with your own bookkeeping. Yep. And so for me as a, as a personal business, right, my own shop here, to save 10 hours a month and not have to do paperwork, oh my gosh, I love that. I could spend 10 hours doing pricing stuff. I could do 10 hours coaching customers. I could, I mean, there's lots of stuff I could do with 10 hours. So to me, a result of I'm going to save you 10 hours is amazing. So what's the value? So now we're at the last column. The value is we need to use business acumen to say, what would you have done with those 10 hours if you weren't, if, if they were given to you, if you don't have to do bookkeeping? Right. So maybe I say, um, you know, I, I think out of 10 free hours, I could probably get a coaching client one of those 10 hours. And so that's a thousand bucks an hour. So I'm a happy camper, right? I'm making a thousand bucks a month just because I don't have to do bookkeeping. Now, by the way, that's only one problem. We went through a problem result value. You listed some other problems that I might be dealing with. For example, um, I might have a problem that uh, I don't do collections well enough, and so I miss invoices, and so there's revenue that I'm not picking up. And so how do I, how do I make sure that I'm covering all my invoices or getting paid for all my invoices? Well, I have a bookkeeper watching out for me. Excellent. What's the result? Instead of 80% or let's say it's 90% payments, I get it to 99% payments. Beautiful. What's that 9% of payments worth? There's a dollar value to that. And all we did was walk through the solution, the problem, the result, and the value. Now, I make it sound pretty easy. It's, I get it. It's not easy. It really isn't until you start thinking this way all the time. But this is how we want to think about our customers because that's exactly what they're thinking about. And I'm going to go back to what I said when we started this. Nobody cares about your hour. Nobody cares about your bookkeeping. I would rather not have a bookkeeper. right? I have zero desire to have a bookkeeper. What I don't want to do is mess with paperwork. I don't want to miss out on invoices. I, you know, I don't want to have late fees on my payments. Okay. So I think where you started with that, with the value table, is that... Accountants, CPAs think that they're selling the solution, but really the buyer is buying the perceived value. And so you've got to walk through your thing, your deliverable, if you will, is the solution back into what problem does that solve for your buyer? Oh no, see, I already lost it. No, I think you were spot on. The result though, clarify the result, what the result sounds like relative to the value. Oh, the result is like the 9% increment increase in realization or payments. Okay. Or the 10 hours gain and the value of the 10 hours at a thousand bucks an hour, 10 grand opportunity cost or something like that. Right. And so the value piece is us using business acumen to turn the, the quantifiable results into dollars. Because mm -hmm. that's what we want. Well, accountants should love this. Well, are they, this is like, <laughs> like we want pricing in a table, right? <laughs> Give us a formula <laughs> yeah. for how to determine this. But that piece right there about taking the result and then finding the way to quantify it, right? Which is usually a delta of some sort. Figure out the delta and then figure out what that delta is worth in whatever units of metric that you're looking at. Metrics of unit, unit units of measure that you want. Units of measure. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and so what's fascinating about everything we just talked about is, to me, if I were in marketing or sales or talking to a customer – 
I may mention the solution, but what people really care about is the problem we're solving and the result we're going to deliver. And as far as the value, the dollar value, I would, I almost never ever go to a customer and say, here's how much money I'm going to make you or save you. Instead, it would be what result do we expect to get? And then with the customer, we're calculating how much is that result worth to them? Why do you not? Because then the customer is involved in the math. Okay, gotcha. So you don't go to them with a predetermined assessment. You work it through with them by design to help them appreciate in their own minds or increase their perceived value. Absolutely. If we tell somebody, I'm going to go uh, make you a million dollars, they don't believe me. Right. But if they calculate it, oh, look, that's worth a million bucks. You're like, oh, yeah, it is. Okay. And now they believe it. Get them, walk them through the math or get them to walk through the math. Yes. All right. So how we got here was the beginnings of, you know, how to price squishy things. Let's stay with that for the time being, and then we'll go over to value metrics and pricing metrics. Let's see. My, my head still doesn't know how to price squishy things. Give me a squishy thing. Like peace of mind. Let's do a squishy thing. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Oh, peace of mind. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I don't know how to price peace of mind. I don't think anybody knows how to price peace of mind. What does peace of mind mean? Assuming it means different things for different people, I'll take a whack at it. But it's not being preoccupied that either something is going wrong and you don't know how to fix it, or there's something that you have a sneaking suspicion you're not aware of and you should be worried about it, but you have no idea what that is. So it's the absence of preoccupation. Okay. I actually think that's a really good answer. <laughs> and so we would have, let's pretend that we don't have a, we're going to go back to the value table and we don't have a specific solution that says, here's the feature that offers you peace of mind. But what offers you peace of mind is being under contract with me, knowing you can call me anytime you want, right? I'm, I'm right there for you. And what's the problem we can solve is we can solve peace of mind for you. Now, I'm not a huge fan of that because I don't know how many people walk around saying, oh man, I got a problem. I don't have peace of mind. Yeah. No, it's the middle of the night problem that nobody ever wakes up saying, you know what I need is peace of mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so there's got to be another thing that we're driving there besides just a generic peace of mind. I think peace of mind is one of those things where a lot of companies talk about it. Very few people buy based on it. And it is really, really hard to price. Buyers are using perceived value when they make a decision to purchase something. And so they're doing their best. They're trying to evaluate everything they can possibly evaluate to make a smart decision. But yet they don't know the truth. Um, if I've never worked with you as an accountant before, I don't really know how good you are. And so I'm, I'm getting referrals or I'm reading your website or I'm do, making it the best decision I possibly can make. And then after I've worked with you for a while, I actually have a different perspective because now I know more than I did before I ever hired you. So let's call before I hire you perceived value. Let's call after I hire you real value. Now, maybe it's not truly real. Maybe I don't really know everything, but I know more. And so we'll just call that real value. And maybe after I've hired you, I now have peace of mind that I didn't even know I had that problem. It's just... Oh, yes, I don't even have to think about this anymore. You're there to help me out. And this makes a lot of sense. So if you believe what we just said, how do you price for that? 
And the answer is you can't price for it before someone buys you. But you could price for it after someone's been with you for a year and you choose to raise prices. Odds are really, really good they're not going to leave you because you deliver something to them that they've never gotten anywhere else. They didn't even know they needed it. Okay. But you're delivering an incredible value to them. Okay. So the short answer on that is something like peace of mind that is more likely to be in the real value side of the purchase than the perceived value side is really difficult to price for upfront, but you can price for it. You can capture the value after you've been working together for a time and the customer has had time to experience it. Okay. So how about stuff like clarity and being able to make better decisions? I think that's, I think that's something that we could price for if the buyer believes it. And this is true, by the way, whenever we're talking about customer perceived value, this is what the customer believes. This is nothing to do with what we think is true. It's only what our customer thinks is true. Let's pretend that we have a feature we're going to call a business strategy. And because of the fact that I know your book so well, and I know your industry, and I'm an expert in your industry, we could sit down and have a strategy sessions once a quarter, every six months. We could figure out what makes sense for you as an organization. Okay, great. So that's a feature. That's a solution. What problem are we solving for our customer? And so the problem we're solving for our customer is, I don't know that I'm executing the best strategies, the optimal strategies. And so are there better strategies out there that I might be able to go implement? Um, is there more money for me to possibly pick up? And so great, we have a solution to that. We call it the business strategy sessions. Uh, what was the result that I would hope to get out of that? And I would think, and I'm pretending like I'm a, a buyer for a second, a customer for a second, I would think that if I truly believed you knew my industry, my business, you've got a broader perspective, you're not inundated in the day-to-day -day work like I am, I would bet that you could probably boost my revenue 5% because you could help me find strategies that I hadn't thought of. You've got a broad perspective, I have a more specific perspective. So let's say that that's true, we get 5% extra revenue, then what is, what's the value of 5% more revenue? Well, it's not 5% more revenue because I've got cost of goods sold possibly in that 5% more revenue. So let's use our business acumen and say, well, what's the profit of that additional revenue? And now I have a dollar value of um, being able to do strategy sessions. Now understand all along that path, the buyer has to, has to believe everything we just said. In fact, it's easier and better if the buyer tells us everything we just said. Okay, great. So I want to come back to the buyer telling us everything that you just said. But before we do that, let's get let's do one more of these because I think walking through how it plays out is really useful. So how about quick response time and ease of access and availability? Okay, so by quick response time or ease of access, I'm I'm guessing what you mean is um I'm a customer, I have a problem, I call my accountant and they get back to me within an hour. Yeah. Uh, so quick response time. So we have a solution. We call our solution quick response time. It happens to be, you know, if you're in working hours, I'll be back within an, an hour. If it's outside working hours uh, before 9 a.m. the next day, I'm with you, right? So these are, these are my rules for the feature that I'm offering to you. So what's the problem that that solves? 
I'm guessing that solves many, many different problems. But Geraldine, I'm going to rely on you for just a second. Give me a problem that someone might have where they needed a really fast response from an accountant. Need is subjective, but want... We'll go with want a really fast response time because I'm in the middle of a bunch of spreadsheets. I've got 18 tabs open. I'm barely like keeping all these numbers straight in my head. And I need this one number from my accountant on how much it's going to cost in taxes if we hire this person so that I can make a choice, like so I can fill in this number line so that I can, you know, go on to the next thing in my spreadsheet. Uh, So I've got a complicated business decision. I need some specific accounting information so that I can make intelligent decisions. And I can't let these decisions go on forever, right? I don't want them to drag out. And I'm a busy person. If it drags out, then I'm going to forget. And I mean, so, so there's a lot of reasons why I need my accountant to give me some advice uh, relatively quickly because now I need it. Mm-hmm. As a customer, I can see how I need that because I'm relying on my accountant to make smart decisions. And, and by the way, I think that in and of itself is really brilliant. Mm-hmm. Being an accountant that's available to help your business, your help your customers make decisions like that is brilliant. And, and so now the customer says, yeah, I'm going to, I've got an hour response time. Uh, that's going to make my life so much easier as I'm going through these problems because now I don't have to wait. What's the result? So the result's going to be, let's say I, I'm going to need that once a month. And once a month, um, if I hadn't had that, I probably would have put something on the back burner, um, either forgotten to pick it back up, or when I picked it back up, it took me an hour to get back to where I was to to remember what the decision was. So I'm easily losing an hour a month of effort just because I don't have this information at the time that I need it. Okay, so what's an hour a month of effort worth to me? And what's it depends on business acumen and whose hour it is and you know what's the rate and now we can put a dollar value on that. Okay, that's all really helpful because that provides a nice neat framework for how to think about these abstractions. So let's then go over to the thing you mentioned right beforehand, which was getting the buyer, the prospect, to tell us in their own words what's valuable to them rather than assuming that we know what's valuable to them. So how do we get our buyers to tell us these things in these kinds of words? It feels like um, like mind jujitsu. So I have to say, usually when I'm doing value tables, I'm working with salespeople and salespeople are really good at this because they're really good at having conversations with customers and and being able to pull out the snippets of information they really need to take to the next step. Now, I'm guessing most accountants aren't like salespeople. If we're doing our own selling, our own sales effort and talking to our clients here, there are some tricks that we can use. But one thing I would be doing is creating these value tables on my own. I would be creating them uh, without sitting in front of a customer and doing the absolute best I can to say, what are the problems that we're solving for our customers? What are the results that those customers would expect or are getting? And then we might even work through what's the value using some business acumen. And then now what I've got is I've got this big table of things that might be true. And maybe I can say, these things seem to be more valuable than those things to most clients. So if I'm sitting in front of a client and I'm and or a potential buyer and I'm first meeting them, 
I, I could talk to them about, well, here's some, some of the things we've done for some past clients. Uh, so they had this problem and we were able to deliver this result. Is that something that seems that you guys might be um, having or a problem that we might be able to fix for you? And essentially, once we can plant many different problems, several different problems in the minds of our buyers, then we can ask the questions, well, which problem is, is, do you think is the biggest problem? Or which result of all these results that we think we might be able to get, which result do you think would, would offer the most value to your company? It's really just a conversation of us learning from our marketplace what's possible. Learning from our marketplace what's possible. I love that. So with the time that we have left, I do want to bring in pricing metrics and value metrics to help separate out and put space between all the things that just get jumbled up and like mishmashed together as one. So can you give us a definition of pricing metrics and separate it from value metrics and kind of help us straighten those things out? Absolutely. One of my favorite topics. So a pricing metric is what do we charge for? And, and this, by the way, this is a new thing that came along when we started doing subscriptions and SaaS, because before, when you go to McDonald's, you buy a hamburger. Well, what do they charge for? They charge for a hamburger, right? Or you buy an order of fries. What do they charge for? The basket of fries. Okay, got it. We know what they charge for. So accountants today, what have you always charged for in the past? You've charged for an hour of time. This is your pricing metric. Now, it turns out a lot of accountants are trying to move to subscriptions. So now what are you going to charge for? Well, maybe you're charging by the month, right? I want to charge per month for something. But a pricing metric is simply what do you charge for? In the world of software, you have probably seen, but companies charge by the click. Companies charge by the gigabyte of download. They charge by the email. They charge by the contact in your contact list. There's lots of different things we could charge for. The idea of being creative here has the potential to change industries. Think about what happened between Netflix and Blockbuster. The reason Netflix um, was so different, so successful, is Blockbuster was charging by the night rentals. And Netflix changed that to say, we're going to charge by the month subscriptions. Pay me your $10 a month. And you can have up to three DVDs at your house at any one point in time. All they did was change the pricing metric. It was still us watching movies at home, but they changed the way they priced it, the pricing metric. So this offers us opportunities to change industries. Now, a value metric is different than a pricing metric. A value metric is how do your customers measure the value you deliver to them? And I like to... I like a fill-in-the-blank sentence that I give to my clients. And that is, you're going to fill in the following blanks. Your customers say this, I love your product because my blank went from blank to blank. This is how they are measuring the success of your product. Um, if we were selling a piece of production equipment, we might say, I love your equipment because my productivity went from 100 units an hour to 115 units an hour. Excellent. I just measured the value. I used, I used a value metric to say, here's how I value your product. If I put myself in the shoes of an accountant, I might say something like, um, I love your accounting services because instead of 10 hours a month I spend on accounting, I only spend two hours a month on accounting. Excellent. 
we now know what's important to that buyer or how that how that person is valuing your deliveries, your your products. So that's how I think of value metrics and pricing metrics. Okay, great. What this makes me think is it would be really helpful for accountants to begin asking this question of their existing clients to get a better or increased understanding of what the actual value metric is, because there's a decent chance it's off base from what they think it is. And then you can start collecting what's valuable to you, what's valuable to your clients, find the pattern, and that becomes, that informs your marketing material. And your service, you really emphasize that in your service. Yeah, I think I would be a little cautious on that. I don't know of any companies who ask their customers that. What I want is the company to pretend they know the answers to that because that's how their customers are thinking. I'm not sure a customer, if I were an accountant and I went to you and I said, uh, or if my accountant came to me and said, uh, Mark, um, I lo- you love me because your blank went from what to what? And, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you wouldn't position it like that. You'd find a more clever way to position it. Absolutely. But ultimately, you're getting in your own mind what you're trying to get at underneath it. And you, If you need to come in the back door, fine, figure out how to come in the back door. But what you're trying to get at is what metric are they, in fact, measuring you by? Because it's probably not the way that you deliver your deliverables. Yeah, I think asking some questions like, uh, what's changed since we started working together? Yeah. Right. Uh, have I? What contributions have I made to your organization that that you've said are measurable? Mm-hmm. These types of things could get us in that direction. And by the way, there's more than one value metric. That doesn't yeah. have to be only one. Right. Right. There. Are, I'm guessing there are multiple in play. So the the other thing that it made me that it reminds me of is high school chemistry when it was all about units of conversion, right? You're like measuring grams and moles and converting how many atoms of this and fit in a beaker of that. And this strikes me as the game here is all about how do you take whatever value metric and find the right units of conversion to get it into dollars at the end. Say that's a fair statement. I I think (laughs) that's really close to a fair statement. Um, when When we talk about pricing metrics and what do you charge for, the key to a really good pricing metric is understanding our customers' value metrics. Because what we want to be able to do is as our customer is getting more and more value from our product, if our pricing metric is correlated with their value metrics, then they end up paying us more and more money. That's really the key to pricing metrics and value metrics. I couldn't come up with one for accountants in the on the back of my head or this this fast. But you can imagine that probably the single best pricing metric and value metric is think of PayPal, right? I'm going to pay PayPal 2% or whatever it is every time someone pays me through PayPal. And I am thrilled to death. I want to pay PayPal a million dollars this year because that means I made, what, $100 million, $50 million? Totally okay with that. And so they've got a pricing metric that is really highly correlated with what I value, and that's bringing revenue in. Got it. There's so much good stuff to talk about here. We're going to have to have you back for the hat trick. (laughs) Happy to. (laughs) But for the meantime, for listeners who have just received a dose of new concepts about how to think about squishy things and pricing, pricing metrics, value metrics, and they're going, that all sounds amazing. What's my first step? Where do you think they can start? I think the, I said this when we very first started, and I think this is true completely. 
And that is that people don't understand value of their products the way their customers think about value. And hopefully in the conversation that, that you and I have had, that's become super obvious that people just don't get value. If I were suggesting where to start for anything, it would be to start figuring that out. Start creating your own little value table, write down a feature, and then just start playing with problem statements. I like my problem statements to be in first-person format. So say it as though you're a customer. I have this problem. I hate spending so much time dealing with all the paperwork. Um, and so therefore, I, that's why I bought a bookkeeper. And then we think about results. Results are what's a typical result, measurable result, a number you can put there that you might expect someone to get. That's going to be different on a customer-by-customer -customer basis. But we got to start somewhere. What are we looking for? What types of numbers are we looking for? I won't even go to the dollar value piece. That's probably something accountants can do in their sleep anyway. But the other two pieces, I would say if you do that over and over and over again right now, just keep tweaking it until it truly resonates with your customers, with people that you think you're talking to, you are now really on the track to understand and be able to communicate the value of what you do. I love that. It's always so amazing to talk to you, Mark Stiving. Thank you so much for coming back again on the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Geraldine, thank you so much for having me. And I love the compliments. Keep them coming. Does the idea of pricing up front make you go deer in the headlights? You wish you could, but you don't know how? The next time you charge somebody 75 bucks for the 30 minutes it took to run a tax plan that saved your client $25,000, Stop what you're doing and head over to SheThinksBigCoaching.com to subscribe to my daily drip of business strategy for CPAs. You'll get one easily digestible tip a day on how to position your business, how to price your services, and how to sell outcomes so that you can be more profitable, get your time back, and get off the tax hamster wheel for once and for all. That URL again is SheThinksBigCoaching.com. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.